Hello, and welcome to East Africa NGO. I am your host, Patrick Hill. This podcast is sponsored by Team in Faith, supporting women, orphans, and vulnerable children in Uganda and elsewhere in East Africa since 2012. I know many people who have been to Africa, but more than once, or twice even. It's a familiar story. One of them is Wendy Nicole, a freelance journalist who visited Uganda in 2014 to research and write about the mountain gorilla. A funny thing happened on the way to completing her assignment. She found another one. After returning to the U.S., she started a charitable organization called Redemption Song Foundation. Its focus is on the Batwa Pygmies, an indigenous tribe from the Bwindi Impenetrable Forest, now marginalized. She returned to Uganda to support the Batwa men, women, and children. Joining me now via Skype is Wendy Nicole of Redemption Song Foundation. Wendy, thanks for joining me today on East Africa NGO. Thanks for having me. Back in 2014, you were in Uganda researching and writing about the mountain gorilla and the intersection of conservation and and human lives, but you found something else that upended your life. Can you tell us about that and that experience and how it's changed your life since then? Yes, I was a journalist. I'm still a journalist, but I was on a grant and I went over to Africa to visit my favorite animal since I had been about 14 years old, a mountain gorilla. But my heart was really taken by the Batwa people instead. So, you know, I was writing, like you said, about the intersection of how conservation and human human livelihoods can coexist peacefully or sometimes not. In the case of the Batwa, they were evicted from the forest and they were living in extreme poverty because these, this was a hunter-gatherer population that was brought out of the forest and given nothing, you know, no land, no compensation. And so several different nonprofit organizations came in and tried to help them get land, medical care, et cetera. But by 2014, they were still really suffering. And so when I, it was really two things that changed my, my life. And hopefully also the Batwa's lives for the better, at least the village that I work in. And that was, I went on the Batwa experience, which was an amazing cultural like dance program with the Batwa. And they danced and they shared, we shared food and we learned about their hunting and how it was in the forest. And it was just like a really fun, exciting, moving experience. But then the next day, I actually went to a village where they were living now. And, you know, what I saw just utterly broke my heart. The kids were malnourished, you know, very large bellies, bones protruding, and a lot of despondency in their eyes. You know, I've seen poverty really around the world. I had been to every other continent, traveled quite extensively, but this was different. It, It felt like a lack of hope. And I really felt, you know, as a Christian, I I felt God moving in me. And I basically, you know, long story short, (laughs) went back to the United States and sold my house. And within a few months, I'd moved to Uganda to start Redemption Song Foundation to try to, you know, give them a hand up in some of the, you know, their health and their livelihoods. Well, sounds like you were all in at that, that point. Yeah, I was. 
you know, I really felt God moving in this situation. And I don't say that lightly. I feel like he's been with me every step of the way. And, you know, just building trust with this village of Batwa individuals and letting them know that someone loved them, someone cared about them, that God had not forgotten them. And, you know, really giving them practical help, whether it's, you know, clean water or education for their children or agricultural help. I think that these things are, you know, critical for their future survival as they adjust to, you know, a world outside of what they were used to for millennia. So how would you say, I mean, have you seen any changes in their lifestyle or survival since you first got there or or just is it just moving very slowly oh absolutely i definitely see major changes they are much healthier like if you just compare a photograph from 2014 to now the kids you know they have fat on their cheeks you know they look healthy even the adults look much healthier now the pandemic is a different story altogether but up to now they have been very healthy sensitization, as they call it over there, which is just education, really is an ongoing thing. Like you said, it's slowly, as they say in Uganda, slowly, slowly, empora, empora. But we have worked with them daily. I have staff on the ground. I lived there for three years, but I'm now back in the United States. But I interact with my manager daily and she interacts with them daily. We talk to them on the phone. We have one of the Batwa is employed by us in the village. So he goes around, makes sure everybody's washing their hands, they're wearing their masks, they're, you know, cleaning their dishes or using their drying racks, you know. So I think one of the things that some nonprofits fail at is they want to help so many people. They give out 10,000 eco stoves or solar lanterns, but there's no follow-up. And sometimes they don't, number one, know what the people need and want. And so then those individuals will sell the thing or they just don't really know its purpose or, or like the stoves are a big failure around the world, really. And I think these things need ongoing training. Because we do that, I feel like the Batois in this village have really you know, done that. Now they're still struggling with things like alcoholism. You know, some of the older people have dropped out of school, not the kids, all the kids that we've sponsored have stayed in school. And I'm really proud of them for that. But some of like the 20 year olds, you know, aren't necessarily on the right path, but this is, you know, it's a gener, it's a generational thing and it's going to take time, but I've definitely seen positive changes. For a Westerner to get over to Uganda and encounter the Batwa, as you say, it's it could be stunning and shocking. And especially if you look at their living arrangements, or at least their ancestral living arrangements. I'm sure when you first encountered them at the Batwa experience, you saw the the huts that they lived in, just with branches and sticks and, and things like that. How would you describe the transition they've made in their, just in their living arrangements? Well, when I first went to Kalehe Village, which is the village that I, Redemption Song works in now, some of them were living in those traditional huts still, like one single woman in particular. And you see it, you know, as a Westerner and you think nobody should be living like this. 
and her husband had been murdered. And so she was just there on the land and didn't really have the ability to build the house. And so we, one of our first projects was to build her a house. And we followed a model of some other organizations that had already built some of the homes. Now, when we say homes, these are like mud houses made with reeds and you mud them up and then you put an iron sheet on top. And, but it's much more permanent, much more stable than just a hut covered with banana leaves. So we did that and that helped to build trust with the community. And I think trust is essential. I mean, that's actually the grant that I was over there on was about how trust is literally the glue that holds projects together. So I thought it was very important that they saw that I was really there to help them. And so, yeah, so now we have built, I think, four houses, four or five. And so everybody for the most part, is living in those. You know, there are some people that will come temporarily, build a hut, stay there temporarily, and then go back out. But all the permanent residents have have houses, and that's great. Now, we really want to get them into brick houses. So actually, our fundraising project this fall is going to be to raise money to buy, you know, bricks and iron sheets and enough to build them permanent houses, which I think is the next step. When you introduced healthcare to the Batwa, how did your organization manage to pursue that? So Kalehe Village is the Batwa settlement that's actually closest to the hospital. But at the time I arrived, ironically, they were using it maybe less than other villages from what I've heard. So I know that there were several HIV positive individuals and they were not going to the hospital, which offers free HIV testing and care. They were not using it for the free family planning that's offered by the hospital, which is also a great service. And they, you know, weren't using it very much for other care, even though they had like subsidized health insurance, which is, you know, fantastic. So that was one of our things is, you know, I'm no doctor, but we know that there's this great service and we got all of them to start using it. They're all now enrolled in equality health insurance, which means they get to go there at very, very low to no cost. And several of them are on family planning by choice. And as far as I know, the HIV positive individuals are on care. Sometimes we act as their, you know, their person that the hospital can contact and make sure they're going in. And so we're sort of an advocate for them and a liaison between the hospital and, and the individuals. So, so yeah, that's been great. That's been very successful. And the hospital you're referring to is uh, the Windy Community Hospital in Bahoma. Yes, correct. And that has become quite a centerpiece for the whole region down there. One of the top private hospitals, really an amazing place. Yes, definitely. The Botwell, one of the issues they had when they came out of the forest was that they had a hard time assimilating with their neighbors, the Bachiga and others in and around the, the windy, impenetrable forest. Have you seen progress made there? Are they doing a better job? Are they better equipped now to um, work alongside their, their neighbors? That is a really interesting and nuanced question. Now, of course, I haven't been there for the past three years. I've only popped in, you know, every year and checked in. But I think a lot of the reason why the Batwa have not assimilated is discrimination. I think that there is ongoing tribalism and discrimination towards them. I've seen this you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to call out any individuals or organizations, but 
you know, it's just sort of, you know, it's similar to racism in, in America that it's the white people that need to learn how to deal with their own biases. And in a way, the Bachiga population needs to learn that the Batwa, you know, we're all people, we're all humans. And whether someone is poor and maybe doesn't have as good of hygiene, you know, Jesus loved all of us. He, in fact, called out when the wealthy would not let the the poor into their church or whatever, those kind of parables. And I think that the Batwa cannot educate themselves overnight and assimilate overnight because of what has been perpetrated upon them, the injustices. And so it's going to take time for the kids to grow up, the kids to get educated, and some of them will drop out, but maybe their grandchildren, you know, it's going to take a long time. But meanwhile, the other population, the dominant population, should treat them with respect, understand where they're coming from. And, you know, it's just, this is a very complicated and nuanced situation. And I'm here as an outsider seeing this and observing it and reading about it. But, you know, I don't have all the solutions and all the answers, but maybe that was more than you were looking for. But I really think, you know, it's not necessarily on the Batwa to assimilate. It's on the Batwa to be human, to live, to do their best, to love their children, to eat healthy, to make good decisions for themselves. Do you see what I'm saying? No, I think that's a, that's an excellent that's an excellent answer you've given. I mean, the responsibility is on both sides. It's not just it's not right. just up to the the forest dwellers. Right, right. Tell us a little bit more about Redemption Song and the extent of operation you have going on in the region. There, you have there's you employ Batwa for uh, some of your childcare and, and school, as you say, you have someone who does uh, surveys of the of the community. But give us an, a, just a, a sort of a glimpse of, of how a broad Redemption Song is um, active in the region. Okay, great. So we are actually a relatively small community-based organization in Uganda. We work mostly with that one village, which has around 50 individuals. We have done other projects outside, not just working with Batwa, such as we built a classroom and a school in Rugondo, which is a neighboring village. And we support Kagizi Vocational School, which is next door, although we don't have any children there. We just support them as you know needed. And, and so we do other projects in the community, but our main work is with this village. And it's sort of our, I don't want to say pilot projects, because we've been going on six years. But I feel like we are there to see what works and what doesn't and to see through our projects, which are seeing a Batwa population healthy and thriving. So kids educated, individuals healthy and getting good nutrition, which was a big problem. They, you know, and during the pandemic, we've been giving them some food relief. But more importantly, we started these agricultural projects that are super exciting that we weren't doing before. Like we got rabbits for the Batwa. We're about to get goats. We also hired some people to train them on creating nursery beds so that they can grow vegetables. You know, they have already know how to grow things like cassava and millet, but we want to increase their nutrition, but also plant enough that they can sell those vegetables and make money 
because they are struggling like a lot of people in Uganda, you know, without tourism and and this population, that's how they made their money. They were dancing for tourists and selling baskets. So without that, they were like, oh no, what are we going to do? But the pandemic has been, you know, a, a mixed blessing because for them, they've been staying home for the past nine months. And that means they have time to do agriculture. So instead of going to the town and drinking or, you know, dancing and then using, spending what they got, they're actually working and they're doing amazing things in their village. So, so that's what we do. We also got them solar panels on their houses. So they have lights. We bought the education materials for the kids that have been offered by, you know, normally we sponsor the kids in school, but since there's no school this year, there's educational packets provided by the government. We bought those for everybody. The older kids are like tutoring the younger kids and we sent our chalkboards up to the village so that they can practice counting and math and those kinds of things. And so it's sort of holistic, you know, very, you know, like you would do with your family, you know, you put them in school, you give them good food, you make sure they can survive. You know, as we see what's successful in this village, and as this village becomes more and more self-sufficient, then we might move on to other, you know, regions or areas or projects that have a need for what we're doing. But, you know, it, it does take time. Anytime you go in, especially as an outsider, to see what do they want, what do they need, and, and to see things through for the long haul. Planting a thousand trees on Saturday, so that's like very exciting. Native trees to help mitigate climate change and to provide, so some of them will be fruit trees, so that will provide not only forest cover, you know, the Batwa are forest people, and so right now everything's deforested outside of the park, so to provide, you know, some forest cover, we planted coffee, so it will be shade-grown coffee, and um, then some fruit trees so that they have more food and more things to sell. So yeah, it's going to be like a food forest up there. So if people are interested in learning more about Redemption Song or if they want to make a, a contribution, what's the best way to do that? We have a website, which is uh, www.redemptionsongfoundation.org. There is, there is a donate page on there. People can donate via PayPal. And there's a link from our website, or you can just go to redemptionsongfoundation at gmail.com and donate to that on PayPal. You can also email me at that information. I'm the director, and I can field any questions about our work, or, you know, we are a 501c3 nonprofit in the United States, so donations are tax deductible from here. And yeah, and we're always looking for volunteers. So that's another thing if anybody has an interest and we always want prayer too. So that's a good way to help. So Wendy Nicole, founder and director of Redemption Song Foundation operating in southwestern Uganda. Thank you very much for joining me today on East Africa NGO. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. To learn more about Redemption Song or to support Wendy's work, once again go to Redemption Song Foundation. Org. Thank you for listening today. This program is sponsored by Team in Faith, lifting lives and raising hopes in Uganda and elsewhere in East Africa since 2012. If you are able and interested, make a donation to support our projects involving women, orphans, and vulnerable children. Visit our website at teaminfaith.org. 
I'll be back again soon to introduce you to another organization that is helping our brothers and sisters in East Africa. For East Africa NGO, I'm Patrick Hill.